welcome back to Han Talks First. This is episode 156 of the podcast. Hope you guys are having a great weekend. Trick or treat to any of those of you who might be watching this on Halloween Day. Hope you got some great plans. Hope you'll stay safe out there and have a happy Halloween. We have an interesting show today. There's not much news going on in the world. There's a little bit, which we'll talk about later. But as far as main topics, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about something that we that I've been wanting to talk about for a little while and something that's less known to most people out there. And that is, of course, all about Skywalker Ranch, the home of the Star Wars movies, along with over 500 other films that have been made at the infamous ranch created by George Lucas all the way back in 1978. So we're going to talk about that today, the secrets of Skywalker Ranch, along with some other great topics. I'm glad you could join us today. We're going to have a great time. If you're joining us live, let us know in the live chat who's here so we can say hello. And in the comments below, let us know your thoughts on today's episode. Be sure to like this video. It helps out so much. Subscribe if you're new. And if you're listening on the audio platforms, consider giving us a follow. We do new episodes every Sunday at noon, so you're never going to want to miss an episode. So that's what we're talking about today. Before we jump into everything, let's start off with our first segment, Star Wars Replay. Enjoy. Star Wars Replay. Star Wars Replay is where we replay major moments and events that happened this week in Star Wars history. And this week, poetically so, in 1977, Matt Lucas is born. He is the voice of the animated Anakin Skywalker. In 1998, DK Publishing produced the first Star Wars Visual Dictionary. In 2007, Knights of the Old Republic comic 34 was released. In 2008, Darth Bane, The Rule of Two, was published. And finally, in 2020, this week, The Mandalorian Season 2 airs on Disney+. That's it for Star Wars Replay. Tune in next week to find out what major moments and events happened next week in Star Wars history. Okay, that was this week in Star Wars history. Hope you guys enjoyed today's segment of the show. Now, let's jump into some of the news that is circulating around the world in Star Wars and see what is going on. So, one of the first things that I noticed happening this week are, is some movement on the TV shows. Um, actually, all the news today is on the Star Wars TV shows that are coming to Disney+. Plus. So, The Acolyte, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, Mandalorian Season 3, all news regarding that. And the first bit is about The Acolyte. So, The Acolyte is actually scheduled to start shooting in February of 2022 at Pinewood Studios in London, which means the show is completely written, and they have wrapped pre-production for the show. Not much details have been released on production designer and, you know, other cast members or what the story is actually going to be about, but they have a scheduled shooting date, which means they're ready to go, which is pretty exciting. And I can't wait to find out more about the show. I think it's definitely one of the more interesting takes and interesting directions that this franchise is going to go in, especially talking about the dark side of the Force and the Sith, stuff we haven't really shined light on yet, which is a weird way of phrasing it, but excited about that. And of course, they'll be shooting at the volume, the one that they have over in London at Pinewood Studios. Coincidentally, uh, Rogue Squadron is also set to shoot at Pinewood Studios. So 
potentially they could be shooting the Acolyte and Rogue Squadron simultaneously, but we haven't heard anything else about Rogue Squadron. They're still in pre-production for that. Now, the other thing that's relevant to this news is about the Ahsoka TV show. The Ahsoka show is scheduled for shooting in 2022 as well, but it's not until May of 2022. Now, they are shooting in the volume as well, but since the Acolyte will be shooting at the Pinewood location, they're actually going to be shooting Ahsoka in the Los Angeles volume. So that'll be close to my home, and we'll get more news on that soon. Now, since it's a later start date, I seem to wonder, is this show maybe not completely written yet? I'm sure Dave has an exact vision for where he wants the show to go and what we want to see, but maybe it's not completely finalized yet. So we'll have to wait and see more info on that coming soon. But that was something I didn't see a lot of people talking about, so I wanted to share those two things here today. Now, one thing that has been uh, circulating a bunch is in regards to Mandalorian Season 3 and about who we could possibly see in this next season of the show, especially the Mandalorians himself. So last season, we had the appearance of tons of new Mandalorians, including Bo-Katan, but also Sasha Banks. And at the time, she was, of course, rumored to be Sabine Wren, which was obviously not true, and that didn't happen. They, she was asked recently on a little press tour of hers, I think for WWE, because she is a wrestler, for those of you who don't, who don't know, if that's wrestling. I think it is. And so she was asked, you know, what her role is going to be like in season three. And she actually said she's not in the next season of The Mandalorian. She went on and said that she was very happy that she got to be in the show and it was a real experience for her and kind of life changing. But as far as her character going forward, there has been no movement and she has not been written in yet. Now, the only reason I bring this up is because it makes me wonder, well, she was part of the crew that Bo-Katan was going around the galaxy with, looking for the Darksaber. And does this mean that Bo-Katan could also not be in Mandalorian Season 3? I don't think that's going to happen. I think, um, what is her name? Katie Sackhoff. I think she is definitely going to be in Season 3 of The Mandalorian, even though she has her own TV show on Netflix that is, I think it's called Another Life, that is doing really well, and she's probably booked like crazy, but I think she's going to be in Mando Season 3. Um, but it also is curious that, she's, that Sasha Banks is not going to be in the show because there was a, I guess you could call it a leak, of, for Mandalorian Season 3. So for any of you who don't want to know any spoilers, potential spoilers. I personally do not think this is a spoiler for Mandalorian Season 3, but everyone has their own interpretation of what a spoiler is. So for those of you that don't want to know anything, turn away for like the next minute, and I'm going to talk about what this is. So here we go. In Mandalorian Season 3, we have a leak of a casting rumor that has been said they are searching for local Mandalorian cosplayers to fill a scene... That includes 75 Mandalorians, 75 Mandalorian warriors. That's a lot. <laughs> and it makes you question like, well, if you're going to have that many people, why isn't Sasha Banks going to be in it? Are there really that many still in the galaxy that remain? And considering that the Empire completely obliterated what was left of Mandalore during the wars. 
So it's an interesting question, but apparently this is this is a true rumor that's out there, and they're looking for those types of cosplayers. And apparently they're um, swapping armor to make them all look a little rough and beat up and stuff like that. So that's it for the spoiler stuff. It's not that much, but that's all we have for Mandalorian Season 3, which has begun shooting last week. So it's well underway, and hopefully we'll get it when it's scheduled to come out. I have my fingers crossed. It still could potentially be delayed even more. You know, there's tons going on with COVID restrictions, and they're doing a lot of shooting right now, a lot. So we'll have to wait and see. Now, the last bit of news is about Obi-Wan Kenobi. This isn't news per se. It's just some more quotes from the actors involved, and this time, more specifically, Kumail Nagiani. Now, he was recently at the Eternals premiere, and he was being interviewed a bunch about that, and mostly he was questioned on what it's like to be involved in both Marvel and Star Wars at the same time. And he was asked, how do, how do you not get overwhelmed by being on both sets and involved in both franchises? Because it seems like a lot of work. And here's what he had to say on that. For Star Wars, again, it was for me a job, and it was really fun. Ewan McGregor's amazing, but when you're there, you kind of have to ignore that everything looks like Star Wars and that you're dressed like someone in Star Wars. I don't allow it to sink in myself. Otherwise, I get intimidated. When the series comes out, I think, is when I'll start dealing with it. So basically, he was just saying it's incredible to be involved and he doesn't want to overwhelm himself, so he's waiting until its release to finally let the excitement sink in. But he also went on to say that, you know, it was very surreal being involved. But I think the highlight thing is that he said Ewan McGregor is amazing. And again, this probably points out to me that he has scenes with Ewan McGregor. Otherwise, why would the line producer cast them both at the, on the same day if they weren't both sharing a scene? Especially with COVID zoning rules that are going on with productions right now. So this is encouraging to hear. It sounds like everything is being centered around Obi-Wan Kenobi, which... I bring that up because recently some people were speculating that this show is actually not going to center around Obi-Wan, but rather his surroundings. And this was actually a false rumor because this was interpreted from the first draft of the Obi-Wan project, which actually was supposed to be a movie. And the movie was not centered around Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is kind of weird to think, but that that was their interpretation of what this project was going to be. And it was actually set to be Obi-Wan's reveal wasn't until the latter half of the film, which is very disappointing. So I'm glad that they fixed that. And, but this is what we have so far. This is what we have just quotes from the actors. We do know they're done shooting this show. It's wrapped production. They're currently editing, doing sound and music and all that kind of stuff. And it's scheduled for, I think it was May of next year. And there's also another rumor stating that it could come out on May the 4th, which is a Wednesday, which is their new release schedule for Disney Plus premiere, um, like exclusive prime content. So it's potential. And how rad would that be for it to come out on May the 4th day? I think that would be really cool. Okay, everybody, that is it for the Star Wars news today. And at least at the time that I'm recording this, this is a pre-recorded episode. So if any of you are watching live, I'm sorry I can't interact with you today. I'm out of town, so I couldn't do this in my studio today. And um, But we'll be back live next week in November with a live episode of Han Talks First, where I'll get to talk to you guys once more. So 
Let's jump in and talk about our main segment of the show today, which is the secrets of Skywalker Ranch. Now, I got to tell you, it's really hard to find information on Skywalker Ranch because if you Google that, go ahead and Google Skywalker Ranch, you really don't get any search results instantaneously. It actually takes you to Skinwalker Ranch, the infamous paranormal ranch up in Wyoming, I think. There's tons of documentaries on it, tons of books, tons of experiences, and you can visit, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Skywalker Ranch, the infamous studio lot, filmmaker's retreat, whatever you want to call it, located in California, Northern California. Little is actually known about Skywalker Ranch. There are very little photos of Skywalker Ranch. And you can, an average citizen can't just go and visit the property. You have to be invited on. And it has some of the world's best security, etc. So that's why I wanted to talk about it today, because there's a rich history there and tons of fun facts to share. But that's why we're doing the show on Skywalker Ranch today. And, you know, if you guys know anything about Skywalker Ranch yourself, feel free to put it in the comments so that you can inform me too. So basically, to start off, Skywalker Ranch was first conceived back in 1978. And after the success of Star Wars, George Lucas wanted a place to be able to create films that wasn't in Los Angeles. Everybody who's a George Lucas fan knows that he hated Los Angeles. He hated Hollywood. He hated studios and how they ran film productions, at least how it started to transition into the modern age of filmmaking in the early 70s. He was more of a fan of the old school classic Hollywood filmmaking, which is how he approaches his own films. And that's how they approach films at Lucasfilm even today, which I think is a very great way of honoring what he built all the way back then. So basically after the success of Star Wars, he had enough money to be able to make this this dream of a filmmaker's retreat that he'd always wanted to do. And so he set out, he found property in uh, Marin, California. That's about 40 miles north of San Francisco, which of course is where George Lucas is from. But he wanted to make sure that this environment he made was a non-manufactured setting that was still an inspirational oasis for artists that would go there to create. So he found this property, and coincidentally, it was off of Lucas Valley Road. He didn't name it Lucas Valley Road. It was just happened to be named Lucas Valley, which is pretty cool. People get it mixed up with the actual name of Skywalker Ranch, thinking that the ranch was already named Skywalker, but it's actually reversed. The road at which it's on was named Lucas, which was already pre-existing. And the, the road itself was named after John Lucas, who was one of the original owners who inherited the property years before George Lucas even came across it. But it was it's a beautiful piece of land, and I'll show photos if you're watching the video stream. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can find tons of great photos about this place. The nature itself is preserved pristinely, and we'll talk a little bit about, more about that a little bit later as well. But to build this property, he spent over $100 million. Fuck. 
Think about that, especially back in the the late 70s. That's a lot of money, especially for a filmmaker whose first real massive success, and he's able to have enough money to go out and and build on property like this and buy the land and all that kind of stuff for one film, Star Wars. And a year after it came out, less than a year actually, because the property started being built about eight or seven to eight months after the movie had been released. So this dude was rolling in it, but it makes me happy because he got to fulfill his lifelong dream of recreating what used to be this old Hollywood So, a little bit more background about Skywalker Ranch. So, it's one of the film industry's most legendary campuses. It has over 4,700 acres, and of course located, as we said, in Marin, California. The expansive grounds combine the innovative spirit of Lucasfilm with the pastoral California landscape and traditional Victorian architecture. Built within a spirit of sustainability, a majority of the surrounding land is home to domestic farm animals, organic gardens, a 26-acre vineyard, a 7-acre olive tree grove, and bee colonies that produce the ranch's honey. There is no other place like it. Now, a lot of people think that this is the location of ILM and Lucasfilm themselves. Well, it's actually not. Um... ILM is still located in San Francisco, and they, of course, have campuses all over California and, of course, in London as well. And if if I'm not mistaken, they have one in Australia, too. But um, just a random side fun fact about ILM themselves, Industrial Light and Magic. It's a weird name for what now is a major studio or filmmaking company, and what's always interested me is where that name came from. And it was actually a name that George Lucas came up with immediately when he was asked, what do we name the property that we're building here? Because he didn't have a name for the company he was making when he started making the company. And it wasn't until he had to sign the contracts that he came up with the name. And he did so by looking at the blueprints for where they were going to build the soundstage, the lighting department, the music department, and looking at the, uh, the architectural blueprints, it shows you the landscape, and it, under each section where it'll have the different departments, it says things like light and sound and industry for where they actually make props and sound stages and things like that. So he just looked at the blueprint and decided, huh, you know what, we'll just take the industry name here, and we'll take the light name over here, and we'll just call it industrial light and magic. And so the name was came up with on the spot. Kind of a fun fact there. Okay, so moving on with our fun facts about the ranch itself. Let's start off by talking about, I mentioned earlier, kind of a little bit about the nature of the property and the landscape itself. So when George Lucas originally purchased the ranch, it was only about a thousand acres, which is still a lot of property, and the ranch itself was located on it. But as he was building it, he noticed that in the surrounding areas, there was still a bunch of concern from the locals about pollution. And so one thing George wanted to do and contribute to helping this issue was to purchase more land to preserve as a 
almost like a national park where the land would be untouched forever. So he purchased an additional 3,000 acres or so. It was either 3,000 to 3,700 acres of property in addition to the ranch, what that owned itself. And he decided to keep that a preserved area where animals could live, where nature could grow, and it wouldn't be touched by the outside world, which I think was pretty cool. And in addition to that, he didn't want to affect too much of the property that he built on top of it, which was about 15 acres uh, of land that he actually built stuff on. So he decided to put all the parking structures and employee parking and residential parking underground. He took the Walt Disney World approach to it, uh, similar to how Disney built underground parking for their employees and underground walkways for the employees, dressing rooms, etc. And he wanted to do that so that it wouldn't kind of affect poorly the look and feel of the ranch if you were just walking around or seeing it from a scenic view, which also reminds me that this ranch has an observatory. (laughs) It has its own mini observatory built on one of the hilltops where you can go stargazing or you can just observe all the surrounding hills and mountains in the area, which is pretty, pretty cool to me. Now, the second fun fact is actually about what the predominant business is on the ranch itself. And that of course is Skywalker sound. Skywalker sound is the most famous sound studio in the world. And it's where most movies in Hollywood do their sound production. And George Lucas created this, and this is what started THX sound. It's what started Dolby Atmos. It brought to life so many new innovations in sound technology that a lot of people take for granted or don't realize was George Lucas's creation. And what I love about Skywalker Sound is not only is it one of the most state-of-the-art places to record or the acoustics are absolutely perfect in it, similar to like an Abbey Road, it has that same caliber of of uh, design to it. Um, and the architecture is beautiful. But what I love most about it, it, it was actually the very first sound studio that you could record music in digitally. Way back when it first started, George George's vision was to create a studio that you could totally make digital music in. And of course, you know, back when this was started, there was there was analog tape, there was eight track tape, there was vinyl. There were things like that that you could record with, but Skywalker Sound was actually the first studio ever to implement digital audio workstations. And it it spawned a whole new revolution in music making, in sound design, and everything like that. Another thing people don't realize was innovated from George Lucas. This one's really important to me because, as many of my active listeners know, I'm a musician, and I work on a digital audio workstation almost every day, especially when I'm scoring something. And it's just... The, the innovation, the technology has advanced so much. There's so much we can do with a digital workstation now. And it's still being, it's still being uh, figured out. You know, it's, it's not quite perfect, but it's, it's something that has changed music completely. I mean, look at EDM, electronic music as a whole. It, it doesn't exist without George Lucas, at least the way it is formed today. So that's a, that's a cool, fun fact about it. Now, the other thing about Skywalker Sound is it has its own tech building that has multiple movie theaters where you can 
either preview sound or sound mixes, record, etc. Now, if you guys haven't seen, there's a great video online about the making of the prequels where George Lucas actually walks you through um, Skywalker Sound Studio and the recording studio, and you can see it there. And he talks about how the the acoustics in the room itself, one of the studios, is one of the, the best in the world. And it was made by the same people that created Abbey Road and a bunch of other famous studios around the world as well. But what's really great about this theater is it's the largest preview screening theater in the world. And it is the most state of the art. It has the best sound, the most advanced projection, lighting, and um, atmosphere and acoustics. And the subwoofers for the sound mixes and music is actually built into the floors. But not so much that it rumbles the seats when you're listening to it. Everything is calibrated to perfection. It is called Le Piste de Resistance of Skywalker Ranch. It is my dream to one day visit this place, especially Skywalker Sound, and just be surrounded by the ghosts of all the legends that have worked in this in this space. And the other great thing about the theater room itself is it is large enough and it is built so that you can fit a full orchestra in front of the screen if you wanted to either record music while watching the picture or just listen to a full band while watching, say, Star Wars A New Hope, for example. That is something really cool. The Hollywood Bowl does that all the time. And to think that Star Wars Ranch was doing it way before anyone else was is really cool. So uh, again, if you're listening to this on the audio, you can either check out the video on YouTube or Twitch or Facebook and see some of the photos. But if you're listening on the audio, I encourage you to go check those out for yourself anywhere online. Another fun fact, our third fun fact about Skywalker Ranch is it's so big and it's so vast and it holds so much talent and artistic creativity that it actually has its own police force and fire department. And they're not small. They're, the fire department alone has over 100 employees, 100 firefighters at this place. George Lucas actually did it himself and got these people implemented into the Skywalker Ranch and built a fire department there. And it's so big that they actually help surrounding counties in the area if a fire takes place over there. Now, of course, you probably need that many firefighters because it's such a big amount of property. If a random forest fire happened, which California gets a lot, you probably need that type of manpower to help prevent it. But apparently they're all really nice, too, and they help show for guests to and from places if they have downtime and things like that. Now, the other thing about the police department there, which uh, otherwise known as the security force, is apparently the best in the world. Skywalker Ranch itself is said to be an impenetrable fortress. And, well, at least it's said to be the best security in the country, at least. I don't know where George Lucas found these guys, but... Apparently, they're the best at what they do, and it's that's probably why we don't see many photos of Skywalker Ranch, or probably why we don't have many stories from people who visit or break in, because apparently, you can't. It's actually so secretive that you can't even see any signs of civilization or filmmaking retreats from the roads or anywhere nearby. It's that good, 
And if you want to get a true sense of what it's like for the security sake, I highly recommend, we talk about it all the time, watching the movie Fanboys. It's a great Star Wars fan film made by Star Wars fans. It, it even has cameos from uh, Carrie Fisher and I think Peter Mayhew and I think Mark Hamill, if I remember correctly. It's been a while since I've seen it. But it's a movie about these kids who plan to break into Skywalker Ranch so they can see The Phantom Menace before it comes out in 1999 because one of the kids has cancer and he's afraid he might not get to see the movie. It's a fantastic film, and it's definitely tailored for Star Wars fans. And it it shows a little bit about the security of Skywalker Ranch, so I highly recommend you guys checking that out at some point, too. It's It's a great movie. Excuse me while I take a sip of my... My coffee, my Star Wars Hontok's first coffee, the best in the world, but not as good as Skywalker Ranch's. We'll get to that. So the fourth fun fact about Skywalker Ranch. Well, along with Skywalker Sound and the Vineyard and their Olive Ranch and their Lake, Lake Ewok, (laughs) and tons of other facilities, one of the main ones is the Inn, the actual place where the guests will stay when they visit the ranch. Now, it's it's a small inn, but it it's it's kind of reminiscent of like a Bennett breakfast. At least that's what it was made to be. So it's composed of 26 themed bedrooms. And what's really cool about the themes of these rooms is each room is, in, is themed after a inspiration of George Lucas. For example, there is a room that is all Wizard of Oz. There's also a room of Akira Kurosawa, of course. I mean, George Lucas, of course he's going to put Akira in somewhere on the ranch. And there's uh, a George Gershwin-themed room that you can stay in. Again, another highlight to the ranch that I would love to visit one day. I don't know how or why I'm going to get there, but someday. Actually, you know what? One day, Hontox First will have a fan meetup here in Los Angeles. A bunch of you listeners and I will get together, we'll rent a van, and we're going to drive all the way up to (laughs) Marin, California, where we will plan our our break-in to Skywalker Ranch. Probably not a good idea that I just exposed ourselves right here on the podcast so that they can be warned that we're coming, but we'll plan that someday later when we're a little bit bigger and more powerful than ever. But So the inn is a very special place, and... Yet another one I would love to see someday. They're also filled with tons of props from movies that they're themed after, and especially the Akira room. It's filled with Japanese samurai swords and tons of other Japanese architecture and stuff like that. Just a really cool idea, something very George Lucas-esque. On top of that to note, which is kind of a sidebar, but the Skywalker Ranch is also a, uh, a place where George Lucas would store some of his his um, rare art pieces, collections, his uh, his paintings, his sculptures, his the the hat that um, Charlie Chaplin wore in his movies, things like that. He has them placed for display all around the ranch, and of course that will be probably be changing a little bit soon because of the new George Lucas Museum that's opening up in Los Angeles. A lot of it will probably probably be transferred there. But still, that's another cool uh, display feature of Skywalker Ranch that George Lucas implemented, which I think is pretty cool. And if you don't know, 
George Lucas, through his lifetime, has been collecting rare pieces or original pieces of art that inspired him, especially that have to do with storytelling in general. And he has a very big, very fancy, very expensive collection of art. And once the George Lucas Museum opens, I will be going immediately. And (laughs) we will get to talk about that soon, too. I think it comes out in... Actually, next year, I think, is when that museum opens. I could be wrong. It could be 2023, but we'll have to wait and see. I have one more fact. One more fact about Skywalker Ranch I wanted to share. And it's, unfortunately, probably the most anticlimactic fact, which I probably should have planned a little better. But it is a cool one for those of us who like Star Wars collectibles and toys and merchandise. And that is the Skywalker Ranch General Store. And this is actually one of the most sought-after places to visit on the ranch. Aside from Skywalker Sound, not the Ewok Lake, not the vineyards, but the place fans want to go to the most is the general store. Why? Because it has one of the biggest varieties of Star Wars toys and collectibles and merchandise ever. And it's not just your regular merchandise. It's rare merchandise. You'll find original Darth Mauls. You'll find the original toys from all the way back in 1978. You'll find anything you want. Mugs, shirts, hats, posters. It's there. There's not many photos of inside the general store. But from what I've heard and what I've read online, it's rather impressive. Most impressive. Again, another place I would love to visit. There's very few people who have actually been to the ranch, if you consider the vast amount of Star Wars fans that exist in the world. Conan O'Brien, for example, was one person that visited many years ago, before George Lucas sold the company. And he actually was allowed to bring a video crew there. And he actually showed some of the the inside workings of Skywalker Ranch. So, I mean, another video for you guys to check out on YouTube if you're interested. Just search it and you'll find it. And there was also an Oprah video. Oprah went and walked with George Lucas around the property. And it's, it's weird because there's only a few examples of footage and photos that we can find of Skywalker Ranch. And that's what makes it so, so special. And then the last thing I'll talk about, which is kind of related to the aesthetic of the property, is, of course, the vineyard. They produce wine, olive oil, and Wagyu beef. I could be mispronouncing that. But apparently it's some of the greatest wine in California, and it's expensive. It is expensive. It's also the home of Coppola wine, Francis Ford Coppola, who kind of partnered with Lucas to make this vineyard happen. And... I do want to get a bottle for myself one day and review it here on the channel, if that's something you guys would be interested in. But this place is fantastic. Little is known about Skywalker Ranch, which is why I wanted to talk about it today. I think it's magical. And I hope one day with my, whether it's music career or with my filmmaking career, that I get to visit Skywalker Ranch one day and get to play with the toys that they have available to artists over there. I mean, it's a filmmaker's retreat And I hope that all filmmakers can get the chance to go there. And maybe someday I will. And who knows? I mean, the saddest part is it's not open to the general public. They don't even have scheduled tours that you can book for yourself to go and visit. And it's it's just, it makes it even more special, you know, to have something that is not always available, like a Star Wars film. And to see that it's still booming today, and it's still one of the top places in the world to 
to make movies, to make sound, to edit, to build, to do practical effects and all that kind of stuff. And even freaking wine, olive oil, honey. Who'd have thought, right? George Lucas created something amazing at this ranch. He created amazing things all over the galaxy. And we owe him a lot for that. Now that is all for my show today. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. It was a little different, but something that I wanted to shed some light on. Now again, if you're watching this on Halloween week, I hope you have a great Halloween and a great week ahead of you. We will be back on Sunday next week at 12 with a live episode of Han Talks First, episode 157. And if you're new here, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Like this video if you're watching on YouTube. And we've got tons of other videos on the YouTube channel as well, which you can check out. You know, tons of uh, fun fact videos, Star Wars replay segments, things like that. Or you could just stick around and watch the live shows and get all your information there. So that's it for now, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate the support. We've been growing so much. We're almost eligible for to be an official YouTube channel, which is kind of crazy to say. We've almost been doing this for almost been doing this for a year and it's getting closer. So thank you guys so much. We're so close. But now my friends, somehow, some way, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. Oh.